you need better ways to study. And that's where you will be here. Because you are having less and less time become available. So your study techniques need to be more effective so that any little time that you can use while studying, it is as impactful as possible. If that's the case, I understand your exact position. I was where you are. And my name is Jared, and I am the head coach and only coach at Webler. I help professionals balance work and school so that they can advance their careers and increase their future earnings with as little stress and burnout as possible. So, as I said, I was in your shoes before. Um, I was one of those persons who used to reread and rewrite notes, which is not best for me, given that I am dyslexic. So reading and writing is just like a chore and it's terrible and it feels pain, like severe pain. Um, and I didn't know really how to study. Um, in a previous episode, I went into like the, the five basic steps in studying. That is previewing the material, attending class, reviewing said material before you study, then studying, and then finding ways to optimize the entire process. If you don't know that, you should probably check out a previous episode of the Parallel Success Podcast. And if you do know that, well, you're in your right place to listen to this episode of the Parallel Success Podcast. In this episode of the Parallel Success Podcast, helping, again, persons balance work in school. We are going to discuss five high-level study techniques that you can use when you have less time that still packs a great punch. So the first of these is pre-study. So before I talked about how previewing the material is very important. Well, pre-study is taking previewing like up a couple of notches. How is that? Pre-study is a little different. So instead of you just previewing the material for like a class or a lecture, you're kind of doing it for the entire topic that you're doing or the entire subject. So what you would do if you're learning something new, and again, I'm still trying to perfect this, so I'm going to like communicate it to you as best as possible. And like, as I try to do also with my clients, um, you're going to get all the keywords that you, you, you think stick out, right? Um, don't do them in linear order, which means is that don't just pick out the keywords in the order that the syllabus is in or the table of contents is in if you're using a textbook because we do not learn in a straight line so how your brain may like organize information or make connections is that something may stick out to you in chapter one that really only gets clarified in in chapter number three and then that thing makes you think about something in four then you go to eight then into seven so we don't learn in a straight line because how we learn is that we try to make connections between points, keywords, and terms. So like ever had like one of those like aha moments like, oh my goodness, this made sense because this is something I was learning two weeks ago, but it only connects to something I learned today. That is the whole idea. So what you would do is again get the keywords, terms, and do like make connections after you have listed all of those out. And what you will do is try to hypothesize or theorize how they would connect. So for me I'm doing this currently because I have an exam coming up. So I actually can do a little session after this, after recording um, this podcast episode, but I'm going to like get some keywords and some terms for the same topics that I am doing and then try to think how they would connect given the knowledge that I already have. But some would say, but you're right, but you can make connections that roll and you can like do stuff or you can go like, you know, um, go over it because when you make the, when you, when you think that this thing connects to another thing, but it doesn't, you got to go and change it. And you would also have to do the same thing if you went through the book in chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, because you got to go over things that you did not know. We don't learn in a straight line. Like how 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 we 
consume information is not how we have information in our minds is it's like all over the place and it's branches connected to branches connected to branches so if i have to then redo one of those branches or make a connection or redo a connection because it was wrong i'm going to remember it better the same way like when something like if you touch the stove and it's hot and like, you know not to touch it again me knowing that i had the wrong thing in the first place is going to make that thing more emphasized in my memory so I don't want you to try to like rote memorize as in like this term mean like oh the definition of this term is this definition of this other term is this are using like mnemonics um using like uh, abbreviations to remember like processes. The reason is because that sort of that sort of information is not as viable as it used to be because we got Google. So the terms and definitions are not the way for you to determine if you have been learning something to a high degree. It's if you can relate things and conceptualize and give like analogies and like put it in simple terms. That's the whole idea. Have like a framework. The best way that I could explain this is like you are creating scaffolding before you build a building. I don't know if you've ever done like any mason work. Well, if you listen to if you did any mason work, I see all constructions, how construction sites work. But as you continue to like build like the second story or the third story, you must have scaffolding there already. So that the tradesmen can like lay the, lay the rebar and the bricks to build the house. So all you're doing is making the scaffolding so that it's easier to build the house or the building, which is your future knowledge, which makes it easier. Yeah, you may got like move one or two scaffolding in a different direction. was already there, which makes the process, process of consuming further information a lot easier. Um, the second technique is called gamification. It's not specifically a study technique, but it's a way to approach it so that studying can like be more effective or you get like more out of it. So the whole premise of the term gamification is that I do not have to get myself excited to go play video games. Like I was running hella Clash of Clans back in the day, Clash Royale when it come out, Asphalt 8, Gran Turismo, all these sort of things. I never had a like Jeez, on I really, I really don't want to play video. I always wanted to play video. So this is how you could implement gamification. The first thing is that when we play a game, there's like we know how it is gonna go. We know how the end is. Like you playing Sonic Unleashed, are you playing Sonic Colors? The end of the game is to like be Eggman. It's just how you're gonna get there. The reason, and that is why video games are so that why 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 we could commit so much time to video game because we know what the end is gonna be. It has a beginning, middle, end, and we know what it's gonna be. I am gonna get this hit of dopamine when I beat Eggman. Unfortunately, as students, as persons, especially balancing work at school, you don't have that same assurance when you're actually trying to improve in your studies. The way we, the idea is that we want to try to create that same sense of certainty inside our academic pursuits. And the way that you could do that is that to um, see ways in which you could track your progress. I'm actually gonna try to see if we can do this. But if you have a subject and you have like different topics in it that you need to get better at for like a final exam, kind of rate yourself on a scale of one to ten that where you are in each of those topics. So, with reference to like somebody that you know ophthalmology or like medicine, pharmacology is like a five out of ten. And in understanding the instruments is like a six out of ten, and then like um, history taking or something else, I'm like a three out of ten. Right? That is going to help you all. Oh, that is can help you be more certain to know that okay, I am seeing myself progress in these specific areas. Uh, you could like 
in addition was another great way is like do some form of assessment so that you could see yourself getting better. So if you're doing like, um, we can get into this later, but like a practice paper and you can see you do a practice paper at the end of every week or every two weeks and you see yourself being better able to answer questions on said past paper, that is be a great way to like track your progress. And the first way is to like ensure that you can have some certainty by tracking your progress. Second way you could implement gamification is because um, the thing about video games is that it's like low risk, high reward. So like if I like die on this level with Sonic, I could just try it again and again and again and again. But many of us do not have low risk associated with going to school or uni or doing a course because the course costs money and is only at certain times. So we got to wait like another year to do the course. And if we feel that sets us back because then we can't get the increase in our in our salary that we wanted so many things. So with that, you could try to like decrease the risk or make it seem less risky is to same thing with reference if we talk about with goals. Where on these big tasks, these big ideas that you have into smaller tasks. So you want to get all is, what does that look like? So what action do you need to take today to get to getting these all is or whatever percentage you want to do? Right? So just essentially set smaller objectives rather than I want to be this awesome great student. Like what does that look like on a very micro micro level? What actions, what small actions do you need to do? Is it just to like start by getting this question right? Understanding what what um these set of terms mean or how they relate together? Is it simply just probably um ensuring that your next group assignment goes well? But you bringing it into smaller than objectives is gonna appear less is gonna feel less risky because all you have to do is the next small step to get to the big goal, right? The last thing that um video games use with reference to gamification can make us like really addicted that you could use to try to transfer to your studying is like, a fear of missing out. Like I remember when I used to be feeling Clash Royale and you get like the daily login bonus and I you know I know if I get my shriek of sending in like 30 days I can get like a legendary card or whatever the case is. You can do the same thing with reference to studying. Um have people to keep you accountable, like have a accountability partner or they have a group of people that you can wait to study with so that you know that like, geez, I can't miss on the next group study session because I know I can be behind my guys. Obviously, don't make it like, ultra competitive, but it's a nice way to also like spike that desire to actually want to engage in those activities. And just a side note, that is actually why we are continuing to try to create communities that could benefit students and propel them forward by having other persons who are just as dedicated and disciplined as they are. So that's why we have our private community, the Scholarly Circle. We're actually working on creating a free community for you if you are not at a stage where you want to indulge in that resource. So that was number two, gamification. Number three, using path papers. But not just using path papers in the sense of I do a path paper and then look at the answer sheet. There's, there's a better way that you could do it uh, to make it more effective for yourself if you kind of strap for time, especially. So, if you're doing a path paper, get rid of the answer sheet completely and make your own answer sheet, right? Why? Many of us are relying on the answer sheet to give us the answer to the question that we that we are kind of uncertain about. So, it's, it, it's like, for example, if you're doing a multiple choice question and two of them look like the right answer and they guess is B, I try to hurry and like, so for example, if I'm doing a multiple choice exam or a test or quiz, 
And A and B are two answers that seem correct, but I'm not sure. Say I pick B. I'm going to try to quickly go and look at the answer sheet to see if that was the correct answer. That shows me that there's a knowledge gap. I do not know if it's A or B, and I'm relying on an external resource to fill in that gap for me when I should take this as an opportunity that why don't I know which one is the correct answer and dive deeper, right? So, any questions that you have when you remove the answer sheet, any questions that you answer or your confidence is low, that is telling you that is a specific area that you need to target and strengthen because it is a weakness so that you can be better prepared for when you do get quiz or whenever your examinations are. So, in addition to creating your set of answers, how you can take this to an even higher level is that if you have the, a set of persons to, you know, keep you accountable that we talked about before, have each person in a group create a past paper for everybody else and then have those same people who do the friend-generated past paper create their own set of answers. So now we gain like super high level. I now have to know the information well enough to set questions for you that would actually trip you up. So if I saying like, um, what is negative two plus two? And one of the answers can be like um, red, for example. I got an addition question here. One of the answers is red. Obviously, that's not going to be the answer. You need to know the information so well that you could make challenging questions for other people. And to do that, you would have to have a higher understanding of the material. So that's what's going to promote. So don't use past papers the regular way. Use it in a more effective, integrated way amongst your friends. Forget the, the, the answer sheet, create your own, and then create past papers for your friends. Right? Number four is what I call the Flomodoro technique. I used to use the Pomodoro method a lot, but it had its cons. And I can tell you why. For those of you who do not know, the Pomodoro technique is when you do 25 minutes of study and have a five-minute break. For those who have a low level of focus and concentration, it's great. I had many clients, many students before who could barely study for even even 20 minutes and they had to do a 15-minute on, five-minute off kind of Pomodoro technique. Your issue is as you begin to improve and increase, your level of concentration and focus for how long you can sustain it increases as well. So by the time you get to minute 25, you're actually now getting in the swing of things. You're now building momentum. You're getting into that flow state where the time is just passing so quickly and you're being as efficient as you can. And this is where the disadvantage is. So what I would advise for you to do instead of a 25-minute on, 5-minute off, if you are, again, trying to maximize your time, as you increase by doing the previous three study techniques, just Extend that for a little more and see when you start to lose that. Just study for as long as you can and then see when you start to have that that nudge or that indication that you are slipping. That's when to cut it off. And what I would say is that a third or like 20% of that time you can use to rest. If you did it for an hour, you could take like 20 minutes off and then like try again. That's going to be way better than 25 minutes on, 5 minutes off. Because if you did that for the same amount of time, you're going to be studying for what, an hour and like 30 minutes of that or even 40 minutes of that would have been taking a break. So it's more efficient if you do flow Modoro than Pomodoro over the long run. Last is um, kind of crazy. I 
I very much need to improve in this area, but it, it lasts. Time saving study technique is sleep. Um, the reason I say this is because, and I can best explain it, give me two scenarios. Many of us who have to balance work and school, um, we have to get up early for work, go to work, have a long day at work, then go to school late into the night. And then the only time we have to be productive as students is like in the night where we're tired and exhausted. Um, and I have a lot of people who end up like, you know, being tired, doing work when they're sleepy or trying to cram when they're sleepy. Then the next day they do the exam and they wonder why they, they, they did poorly. It's because when we sleep, we consolidate the information that we've been trying to encode and retrieve on our brains when we were conscious. And the best way to put it is that when we are awake, that's the best time for consuming information and trying to trying to like make sure it sticks. When we sleep is when that information becomes like not permanent because we all, you know, forget things at times. But it's almost like when the concrete is set. Throughout the day, we are mixing concrete and pouring it out and it's wet. But when we sleep, it reinforces that concrete and makes sure it hardens and solidifies. If we continually to skip over sleep and don't get as much sleep as we need to, which most persons should be getting between six and eight, you are going to be wasting your time because it's like you grabbing some sand and all of it is just falling through. You never consolidated it. So my advice to you is on those days when you're coming home and you are tired, it's better for you to go to sleep immediately and get it even earlier just to do half of work. So if you are scheduled to do two hours of work when you come home and you were tired, Better if you get up and do a half hour work because that half hour work is going to be more productive than the two hours you would have done when sleepy, right? So I beg you, use these techniques for those of you who are cramped for time. It's going to make you more effective. Make sure that you use, you can use pre-study gamification, uh, <clears throat> past papers, the Flomodoro technique, and sleep. Very important. That's the most important one for us um, to use given your current set of circumstances because you have decreased time. If you enjoy this episode of the Parallel Success Podcast where we help persons like yourself continue to balance work and school, you can check out another one of the episodes right over here. Are you crap for time and need more effective ways to study? Are you in a position where you have less and less time? So that means that the impact of your study techniques needs to increase so that you can get the same effectiveness. Well, that means you are in the right place because in this episode of the Parallel Success Podcast, we help persons like yourself balance work and school. We're considering five high-level effective ways to study that you can do if you have less time. Are you cramped for time and need more effective ways to study? Are you cramped for time and need more effective ways to study? Well, you are in the right place because on this episode of the Parallel Success Podcast, where I help persons balance work and school, we're talking about five high-level studying techniques that you can use if you have less time. Do you currently have less time to study? Well, you are in the right place because in this episode of the Parallel Success Podcast, where I help persons balance work and school, we are discussing five of oh, We are discussing five high-level studying techniques that you can use if you have decreased time. Techniques that are gonna have. <clears throat> Techniques that are going to be so effective that if you use them in less time, you're still going to get the grades. Are you, are you crap for time and need better? 
Are you cramped for time and need more effective ways on how to study? Well, you are in the right place because on this episode of the Parallel Success Podcast, we are discussing five high-level study techniques that you can use if you have decreased time. These techniques are so effective that if you're using them in less time, they can still pack the punch you need to get academic success this semester. Thank you so much again for spending your time with me. I am still overwhelmed that there are people listening to this on a regular basis. Um, that is so do- so cool. Um, again, um, the purpose of the Parallel Success Podcast is to help persons like yourself balance work and school effectively so that they can increase their earnings, advance their career, and do so with as little stress and burnout as possible. If you very much enjoyed this, listening to this episode, I would advise going back and trying to listen to episodes 26 through 28 about how to master the balance between work and school if you have not yet. Um, that is a three-part series on the webinar I did on how to effectively balance work and school. And there are in some insights in there that you could very much benefit from. So, again, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And you know I'm going to be back at you before the week out again. So, you know what I mean? Stay tuned because you're going to be hearing me very, very soon, peoples. Peace out. Have a fantastical, lovely day. Woo-woo. I want you to transform your academic experience. And the best way that you could do so is by joining our free course, the 21 Day Stress-Free Scholar. In this course, you're going to learn the essential study techniques, time management strategies, and even personal development skills to excel in school while maintaining your overall well-being. You can enroll now for free and kickstart your journey to academic success at weblearn.com. W-E-B-L-E-A-R-N-T dot com. See you there.